it time for common sense gun control? Welcome to another episode of Implied Company. I'm Scott Wingeter. Gun control is back into the national debate, uh, specifically after the events that took place here in Texas last week with the Uvalde shooting. Uh, today we're going to dive into this topic and see which side of the aisle, if you will, has the better ideas on how gun control is supposed to work in the United States of America. But first, a word from our sponsor, the DocLine. Are you looking to boost your business here in Montgomery County? Well, the DocLine has you covered. Whether it's podcasts like Impolite Company, video production, print, digital marketing, social media campaigns, the DocLine has everything that you can want and ask for and for marketing in a one-stop shop. Visit them on their social media sites or at thedocline.com. Okay, so getting back to the gun control debate, common sense gun control, is this really the solution that we need to be pursuing in order to protect schools, protect kids, protect people all over the country? Uh, right now, it's there's a reaction, an immediate reaction that's happening because of what happened here in Uvalde with the, gun, uh, mass, the mass shooting that happened here at Robb Elementary School last week. Uh, so there are a number of bills that the House of Representatives are discussing. Uh, in fact, I think they're discussing that today on June 2nd. Um, one of those bills, or a number of those bills is H.R. 3015, 2280, 3088, 748, 6370, and 130. In addition, Governor Abbott has uh, asked for a special legislative committees uh, in the Texas legislature to be formed. and They're going to give recommendations in response to the Uvalde shooting. But are these measures really the solutions that we need? I think the... The clip that captures exactly what this debate is all about uh, can be seen uh, with a Sky News reporter named Mark Stone, where he cornered uh, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and began to uh, ask him all about gun control. And, uh, and basically, this is the left's attempt at, a, I would argue, a misframed argument. Um, I'll link to this video that I'm talking about below in the notes. He asked, is this the moment for to reform gun laws? Uh, why does this only happen in your country? First of all, I'd like to discuss what happened. People were murdered. And I think it's a ludicrous argument to make that the United States is the only place in the world where people are murdered. Uh, you know, Mr. Stone comes from England. Uh, are people not murdered in England? Of course they are. Uh, and it's unfortunate. But are, why are we blaming the tool instead of the act itself? Um, I think it's interesting. You guys know that I'm a historian. Um, and in particular, I like to focus my uh, historical efforts on specifically the colonial era and then going into the American Revolution. Uh, I I would love to have been in ten, uh, Ted Cruz's spot there, and I would have looked at him and I would have been like, why does this only happen in our country? Well, the answer is simple. It's because people have access to guns. And why do people have access to guns? Because it was people from your country, Mr. Stone, 
in particular, a guy named General Gage, who decided that he was going to send a whole battalion of British soldiers uh, up to Concord, Massachusetts on April 19th, 1775, that even gave us our own nation in the first place. That was really the whole entire purpose of sending troops from Boston to Concord was to seize the militia's firearms, okay? These were lawful citizens that had a right under British common law to possess arms for their own defense. And what General Gage did was he sent British soldiers up to Concord to take those and possess those firearms illegally uh, and take them away from the colonists of Massachusetts, in particular, uh, Massachusetts, and to take those arms from the colonists of Massachusetts. Um, in particular, it was the militia's firearms. Now, the history of the Second Amendment is important to understand. Uh, when you go through the Constitution, when you go through the Bill of Rights, you'll see that almost every single one of those first ten amendments were put in there, uh, intentionally so, because this was the generation that had fought the Revolution. All right? This is 1791. James Madison is the Speaker of the House of Representatives at the time. He was known you know, now as the father of the Constitution. He was actually against putting in a Bill of Rights in the first place uh, because why would you put in a Bill of Rights? Uh, it, it was pretty clear that unless it was an enumerated power in the Constitution that powered the federal government to do X, Y, and Z, then the federal government didn't have that power and therefore they couldn't do it. That was Madison's argumentation. But the states, they wanted further guarantees. And so that out of that first Congress, Madison promised during the ratification debate among all of the states that they would have a Bill of Rights that came out of that first Congress that guaranteed certain things that were present in all of the state constitutions at the time uh, that that would be protected from the federal government. So, you know, the Second Amendment, it's clear. It says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So I mentioned this in um, my latest video uh, last week on the Uvalde shooting that, you know, they don't have an example of negative law in the uh, parliamentarian system. All right. So an act of parliament is an act of parliament. So if parliament wants to uh, get rid of, uh, for example, your right to, uh, you know, freedom of speech, they could pass a, a law in Parliament that says people don't have freedom of speech anymore, and if you are a British subject or an Australian subject or a Canadian subject, then you no longer have freedom of speech uh, because Parliament says so. Uh, we don't have that here in America. We have negative law. We negate Congress's ability to pass laws on certain things. Um, and so that would include, I would argue, gun control. Uh, some of these measures that I read out, H.R. Um, House Resolution 748, which is known as Ethan's Law, um, they, it's, it's all about making a law that says that you have to handle your firearm this way, America. All right? It has to be stored, and it has to have trigger locks, or it has to be, you know, 
t- the bolt taken out and stored in a separate place. Uh, you know, guns have to be stored in a safe. And if they're not, then you're going to get fined and we'll confiscate your gun. That's literally what the, the House Resolution uh, 748 says, which is known as Ethan's Law. You can look it up. I'll link uh, in the notes below all of these House Resolutions uh, that, I'm, that I'm discussing here. Um, the problem with that is that's unconstitutional, Mr. Nadler. Uh, Jerry Nadler is the guy who authored this bill. Uh, I would cite D.C. v. Heller, uh, which that that's exactly what that whole entire case was about. Uh, D.C. had a ban on uh, carrying a gun around uh, inside Washington, D.C. And it also said that if you do possess a firearm in your own private residence, that you would have to store that firearm in a uh, gun safe and that that firearm would have to be disassembled and unable to fire and you had to use a trigger lock. Well, the United States Supreme Court shot that down. They said that that's unconstitutional. And they reaffirmed uh, the idea that the individual has a right to keep and bear arms. And this goes back for years and years and years and years. Um, since about the 1930s when the progressives were still, uh, you know, the first progressive movement, uh, Woodrow Wilson and his ilk were trying to say that the second amendment, the first clause of the second amendment had to do with, you have to be a part of the militia. That was the argumentation that a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of the free state, the right for the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. All right, so you don't have an individual right to have a gun, okay? You have to be in a militia in order to possess a firearm. Uh, Heller, DCV Heller, says no, the individual has a right to keep and bear arms. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. We talked about last week on the, on the show this idea that what makes a massacre like Uvalde so despicable. And everybody in this audience, no matter what your political ideology is, you'll be able to agree with this statement. When a gunman walks into a school building and he starts shooting down kids, okay, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your political ideology is. I don't care what country you're from, what uh, race you are. Uh, All of the ways that we chop each other up into little boxes, uh, none of that matters. Everybody uh, can look at that situation and say, you know what? That's not right. That's wrong. Why? Because we have a natural right to life. Okay, And if somebody walks into a place and starts murdering people, there is no society on earth that is going to put up with that because we all intrinsically know that to murder somebody, which is defined as the unlawful killing of another human being, that that's not right. That, in fact, is wrong. So nobody disagrees. In fact, that's why Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence writes, we hold these truths to be self-evident, okay? That everyone is endowed with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, If you go back into the early state constitutions of the 1770s, they say stuff like everybody's endowed with the right to life, liberty, uh, property, private property, safety, security, happiness, right? 
if everybody is endowed with those things, does it not stand to reason then that you should have an unalienable right to defend those things if they're under attack, regardless if it's from a foreign government, our own government, or an individual? You have a right to defend your life, your liberty, your safety, your security, your private property, your happiness. That is what the militia is all about. And when you go back in time to even earlier periods, the 1500s even, uh, you'll see this popping up, this idea, this concept of militias going all the way back to uh, Italy and the Italian republics like Florence and Venice. Okay, They formed militias and the idea was specifically to protect private property. All right? It's it, And that even predates those republics all the way back to Rome and Athens, all right? And the idea is, as an Athenian citizen, I would have these 10 acres of land in which I can do whatever I want on. If I want to plant olives over here and a grape vineyard over here and some wheat over here, all right? It's my land. I can decide what I want to do with it, how I want to do it, whatever. It's mine. It's I own it, Okay. And when Persia decides it's going to march its troops into Greece and try to take my property, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm going to stand up for him. So I'm going to stand against the Persian army, okay? But am I going to stand alone? Well, no, that's suicidal, right? I'm going to get other free men, other farmers, other people who have 10 acres of land that are they're vested in as well, that they're interested in keeping their private property out of the hands of the scumbags from Persia, right? And what we're going to do is we're going to lock shields together and we're going to fight to defend our property together because I have a vested interest in making sure that my farm still is a thing in my personal possession. And I also have a vested interest in making sure that yours does too because if I don't defend your farm, you're not going to defend my farm. So it's this mutual beneficial idea of protecting private property that forms this concept of the militia, the citizen soldier, right? But it goes further than that. It is easily extended to your other unalienable rights to life, to liberty, to safety, security, happiness, and all of those things that we've just been discussing. So that is the blanket idea of what the Second Amendment is about, is you have an individual right, and the, and the Supreme Court agrees with me, uh, from, you know, D.C. v. Heller, that you have an individual right to keep and bear arms to protect and defend yourself and anybody that would come and violate your rights, whether that's one person or a group of people. Um, we have another Supreme Court, the case that is going to be coming up here within the next month. Uh, it's New York Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. Okay, this decision is coming. It's already been probably decided. They're sitting there, they're typing up the, the decision right now, and then they're going to publish it. I don't know what that's going to say. I'm not Nostradamus. I don't have a crystal ball, and I can't, you know, say that this is exactly what's going to happen. But I can conjecture, I can guess, that a conservative majority court is going to back up, especially following stare decisis, the idea of standing on what's been decided, uh, something like Heller, which was decided in 2008, that an individual has a right to keep and bear arms in their own defense. Um, and so I see this decision coming out and strengthening the Second Amendment. 
at the very time that the Democrats in Congress and all over the country are now clamoring for gun control because of this Uvalde shooting, which is an unfortunate thing that happened. But as I stated last week, and I would encourage you actually to go back and check out my video, uh, and I'll, I'll link uh, the description below in the, so you can go check that video out. The only solution to gun violence is to stop making soft targets. How is it that nobody ever goes into a police uh, department with an AR-15 style weapon and they're going to start shooting cops? Well, they don't do that because even if they're crazy, they're not that dumb, right? They're going to get blown away the second they walk through the door with an AR-15 and start pointing it at people. They're going to get shot and they know it. They always hit soft targets. They always hit schools or movie theaters or, you know, what happened yesterday in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I don't know this for sure, but I would, you know, wager to bet that that was a gun-free zone, that hospital uh, complex that, you know, there was a shooting there yesterday. We need to eliminate these soft targets, all right, these places where they're gun-free zones, all right, because when you put... On there that it's a gun-free zone, all you're doing is advertising to say, we're defenseless, come attack us, all right? Uh, I would challenge liberals and people on the left that if you believe so heavily in gun-free zones, put a sign on the, out in your yard that says, this house is a gun-free house. Is that a good idea? Of course it's not, and you're not going to do it. This is the point. We have a right to defend ourselves every time that there is one of these mass shootings, what it takes to stop the shooter is a good guy with a gun. You need to get people in these soft targets uh, that are armed and able to respond very quickly to uh, the potential of a mass shooter. And by ending the active shooter situation immediately by plugging him full of holes, that's going to get the message out to these people that that's probably not a good idea. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in today. Uh, we'd like to thank the Dockline Studios once again for making this great space available. And uh, we will see you next time on Impolite Company. Don't forget, if you got some value out of this video or you appreciate my, my background and everything like that, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. And if you disagree with me, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get into a back and forth where we can have an actual civilized discussion about this very important topic. So please leave a comment down below. Whether you agree that it's time for common sense gun control or no, you think that a person does have an individual right to keep and bear arms. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.